a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Lloyd Matheson. As we always try to get past the headlines of it all, uh, of course, there's been lots of rumblings in terms of what might happen uh, if Republicans recapture the House or possibly the Senate. The House seems likely at this point. The Senate, I think, is still uh, to be determined. Uh, Republicans in the House uh, seem to be poised if they take back it uh, and the gavels of those committees are gearing up to investigate the SEC's environmental social governance investing requirements. Uh, We often refer to that as ESG, again, that environmental social governance. Uh, But before we get into the politics of all of that and how that might play out, I want to look just at the economics of it, what it is, what the intentions is, pros and cons. So we just have a nice baseline in terms of uh, what that is and what that means. Uh, Really thrilled to have joining us on the program today, Gabrielle Lozada, an associate professor of economics at the University of Utah. Professor, thanks for joining us. Uh, You're very welcome. Uh, So first, give us just kind of a a little uh, primer on uh, what is this really all about? What does this mean when we're looking at companies uh, in relationship to environmental, social, and governance? These are standards which financial institutions like BlackRock and bond raiders like S&P had devised in order to give investors or potential investors information about the way that companies – behave or don't behave according to these environmental and social and governance criteria. All right, and so let's let's go through the the pros. What are the uh, what are the advantages of having this kind of window into an organization? Well, the main advantage is that it gives investors more information about the companies or the municipalities that they're thinking about investing in. So if you're going to uh, buy a bond um, that was issued by the state of Utah or by a company, you want to know what the prospects are of of getting paid back. And some investors think that firms or municipalities that have good so-called ESG records are more likely to, to pay them back to be good investments. And so the pro is giving those investors the information that they desire. All right. And let's look at the flip side of that. What, uh, what are the potential downsides? Obviously, there's been a lot of controversy about uh, what is and what isn't uh, included in that ESG, how it could impact uh, states like Utah. Uh, what are some of the, uh, the challenges uh, to the ESG? So the downside is basically the same as the upside. It's letting investors know what your ESG record is. So if you have an ESG record that some investors are not going to be happy with, it's to your advantage to keep that information hidden so that the investors don't know. If that information becomes public, then they might decide they're not interested in in buying your bonds or investing in your company, and that could hurt you. So by making more information public, it puts companies and municipalities at risk for, for example, having to 
to pay higher interest rates or getting a lower credit rating because there's some investors that that don't like their behavior on the ESG criteria. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. And so as we look at it from a, uh, I think some of the other challenges that, that many are saying, okay, how do we navigate around this, uh, are the components of, of ESG index that are subjective uh, or things that maybe not be really clear in terms of uh, what is being scored or how it's being scored. We know there was a, a lot of a dust up when, uh, when Tesla was delisted uh, for lacking a, a low carbon strategy. Uh, and obviously someone in the green energy space uh, and electric car space, uh, that seemed like a head-scratcher of, okay, why are, why are they being dis, uh, delisted? Uh, and so I think some of those uncertainties, is there anything that's being done or anything you sense around that uh, in terms of people being able to say, okay, I can have confidence in that score, it, it does mean something, uh, and it should make a difference in terms of how I'm investing? On the contrary, I think that that ESG is inherently subjective, that different rating agencies, different investors are going to have different ideas about mm. what that means and mm-hmm. what it ought to mean. And I actually doubt that it's ever going to converge to just one thing. Some people are going to you know, care more about global warming than about tobacco, and other people are going to yeah. care more about tobacco than about global warming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's always going to be a multiplicity of ideas and, and, and conflicting ratings, and it's going to be up to those investors who happen to care to do their due diligence and figure out which scale they want to pay attention to, if any. Yeah. Yeah, great point. Great point. Gabriel Lozada is Associate Professor of Economics at the University of Utah. Uh, Professor, thanks for breaking that down for us. Uh, There's a lot of confusion about what it is and what it isn't, and uh, clarity is always where we have to begin uh, any conversation uh, as we look at it moving forward. Uh, Thanks again for joining us today. Oh, you're very welcome. All right. uh, Again, as we look at this, uh, this ESG score, the index, again, looking at environmental, social, and governance. And uh, there's been, uh, again, significant uh, back and forth in terms of what it is and isn't. How do you really tell? Is it a government bureaucracy scale? Uh, How does it impact? You've got a lot of tugs and pulls going on uh, with many uh, states that are more in the red state category, more Republican side side, uh, divesting. Uh, of, from places like BlackRock uh, because of those ESG issues. Is there a better way to do it? Uh, I think those are all important discussion points that we should be looking at in terms of uh, investing in a company uh, or looking at the impact or, or how strong a, a municipality or a state might be. Uh, 
but how we do that matters. Uh, I always worry when we're putting more and more of that power uh, into an unelected uh, person in a government agency. Uh, and so that's where we, I think the discussion has to begin, because I think we can be careful stewards of the environment. I think we can deal with the social issues in a positive and productive way. And governance does matter. I think that's a place where the state of Utah does extraordinarily well. All right, that wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. When we come back after top of the hour news, is America's higher education system a market failure? We'll talk to Philip Levine about his new book, A Problem of Fit. Stay with us. We'll be back on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.